0: Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Christopher assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. The title of today's lesson is Don't Drop the Mic. God Speaks. Don't Drop the Mic. God Speaks, brothers and sisters. Today we learn. How to communicate with the King? God has a love language, brothers and sisters. And according to Jeremiah thirty, brothers and sisters, the time that we're getting ready to go into is a time that you've you've never experienced before. Matter of fact, let's go there. Let's go to Jeremiah thirty because this is this lesson is going to be aimed at how we communicate with with the King, with the Most High God. Because according to the Bible, it's going to the time that's coming is going to be the worst time we've ever experienced before. Let's take a look at Jeremiah 30 and 7.
1: Jeremiah 30 and 7. Alas, for that day is great so that none is like it.
0: Look at that. He's saying there's a day coming that has never been.
1: It is even the time of Jacob's trouble.
0: Jacob's trouble. That means Jacob. Who's Jacob? Jacob's name was changed to Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel. So the descendants of the 12 tribes.
1: But he shall be saved out of
0: it. So it's telling you, Jacob is going to have trouble, brothers and sisters, right? It's telling you a day that has never been before. Read that one more time, brother.
1: Verse seven. Alas, for that day is great. So that none is like it. So
0: that none is like it. Never been, never seen this before.
1: It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. We
0: shall be saved out of it.
1: For it shall come to pass in that day. In that day what, brother? Sayeth the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck. He will
0: break the yoke off of thy neck. So brothers and sisters, what's coming is aimed at trying to free us, to liberate us. Now, there's two things going on. According to this text, we're not liberated. However, we're walking around as if we are, brothers and sisters. Let's take a look. Read that one more time, brother, please.
1: Jeremiah 30 and 7. At last, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck.
0: That the Most High will break the yoke off of our neck. Brothers and sisters, did you know there was a yoke on our neck? Did you know that? A lot of us didn't even know there was a yoke. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is telling
1: us this. That I will break his yoke from off thy neck and will burst thy bonds. And strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. That's
0: the key. Strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. That means they've exploited us, brothers and sisters. The Bible is telling you that the time that's coming is going to be a time like never before. That you've never read about, brothers and sisters. That you've never experienced. And that means what? Communication is going to be critical. We're going to have to understand how to communicate with our God. Because why? Jacob's trouble we're in Jacob's trouble brothers and sisters this gets worse and worse and predominantly for people of color for Negroes for native for Hispanic people this will get progressively worse and worse so that means we need to know how to communicate brothers and sisters we need to learn according to the Bible how to communicate with our God when we have all of this that's going to be transpiring transpiring around us Let's go to John 10 and 27. Take a look at this, brothers and sisters. Let's go to the gospel here. John, the 10th chapter, we'll have brother Christopher read the 27th and the 28th verse. Because why? We're talking about communication and the importance in the last days.
1: John 10 and 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Look at that, brothers and sisters. He made the emphatic statement that his sheep Do hear his voice. Listen to that again. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And they what? And they follow me. And they what brother? They follow me.
0: Following the most high requires hearing the most high. Brothers and sisters. You see that? See? My sheep implies what? Ownership. Which means lordship. Brothers and sisters. So they follow because why? He's the Lord. Can you read that one more time?
1: Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. They hear his voice. And I know them. He knows them intimately. And they follow him. Look at that.
0: And they follow him. Why does he know him? Why does he know them? Because they follow him. If you do not follow him, he does not know you. Brothers and sisters. Okay.
1: He does not know you. Look at the next scripture. Verse 28, and I give unto them eternal life.
0: If you follow me,
1: you can have eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, brothers
0: and sisters, read 27 one more time, please, brother. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep do hear my voice. So this is critical here, because if you don't hear the voice, you cannot be the sheep. The
1: sheep hear the voice. Let's talk about it. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And they follow me. And that's the key. Now, why is it key that it says they follow me?
0: Because sheep, they're led; They're not driven. Okay. So you can't, you have to lead the sheep and they'll follow you. If you try to drive them, if you try to come from behind and try to steer them from behind, it will not work. It doesn't work. Not with sheep. So according to the Bible, if you are his sheep, you do hear his voice. You know how to communicate. And you follow. You respond. Because that's the only way to receive eternal life. So let's deal with that, brothers and sisters. We're showing you how important communication is according to God. This is how important communication is, especially in the last days. You're going to need to know how to communicate With our God. Let's go to Psalms 16 and 11. Let's go to the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Psalms,
1: the 16th chapter, we'll have Brother Christopher read the 11th verse. Psalms 16 and 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Brothers and sisters, examine the the
0: textual connection between the presence of God and pleasure. Can you read that again, brother?
1: Verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. The path of life? In thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy presence what? In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The psalmist understood what many of
0: us do not. And that's that the path of life must be learned, brothers and sisters. Thou will show me the path of life. You don't just find the
1: path of life, brothers and sisters. It has to be learned. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 11. Thou will show me the path of life.
0: That's the key. You never run before God's guidance. You see? Thou will show me. If he doesn't show you, then you're operating on your own. No, you have to learn this. You have to be guided. Why? Because sheep are what? They're led, not driven. See?
1: Continue. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Brothers and sisters, the, the text is clear. Never run
0: before God's guidance. The text is teaching us that wherever the most high guides, he also provides. So if he guides you, brothers and sisters, he'll provide for you wherever he's guiding you to. And do not ask the Most High to guide your footsteps if you're not willing to move your feet, brothers and sisters. Because any time in my life, when I don't have the fullness of joy according to the Bible, I'm not in his presence. So let's, let's deal with that part first. Let's deal with that part first, brothers and sisters. When you're dealing with depression and all this stuff, According to the Bible, if you were in his presence, you wouldn't be dealing with that type of thing. So we have to find out what? How to get in his presence. We're going to talk about that today. We just wanted to incentivize, incentivize what? Getting into his presence. What's the incentivization? Can you
1: read that again, brother? Verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Let's deal with that, brothers and sisters. Fullness
0: of joy. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16. New Testament, brothers and sisters. 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter, the 16th through the
1: 18th verse. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice
0: evermore.
1: Pray without ceasing. This is the Most High's will for you. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Brothers and sisters, if you examine these passages closely, the
0: Bible tells us to do three things at all times. Let's read that from the top,
1: verse 16. Verse 16, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. These are the very
0: things we must do in order to see God's will accomplished in our lives, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 16, rejoice evermore. That that right there, these two words, rejoice evermore or rejoice always, constitutes the shortest verse in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Two words. And we want to deal with that because implicit in this command is the realization that there are times we do not naturally naturally feel like rejoicing. Rejoice evermore. Or that means rejoice always. So that's key because implicit in this particular text is the author knows you're not going to always feel like doing this. You're not going to always feel like rejoicing. And that's key. Why would he say that then? Let's go to Psalms 50 and 14, brothers and sisters.
1: Psalms 50 and 14. Psalms 50 and 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving. Now, remember, brothers and sisters,
0: the the scripture said what? Rejoice evermore or rejoice always, right? That's the
1: precept to go here. What does that mean? Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. Read 14 one more time, brother. Verse 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving. The word rendered offer in this particular
0: place properly means to sacrifice. Okay, brothers and sisters.
1: Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee.
0: Now look at that, brothers and sisters. When it says offer or sacrifice unto God thanksgiving, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God even in the day of sorrow and suffering. That's what this particular text is telling us. This sacrifice was to be an expression of gratitude in times of difficulty. Look at this again, brothers and sisters. Look at when he's telling you to offer the thanksgiving. Can you read that again, brother? Psalms 15 and 14. Look at this again, because remember the text said
1: what? Rejoice evermore, right? Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble.
0: See that? Offer thanksgiving when you're calling upon him in the day of trouble. Now, brothers and sisters, according to the psalmist, circumstances are not permitted to dictate your disposition of gratitude. Let's look at that
1: one more time. Read 14, please, brother. Verse 14, offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High. When? And call upon me in the day of trouble. Look at that, see, in the day of trouble. Emotionally,
0: we do not feel joyful, but there's an active duty for us to give thanks. That word offer really says sacrifice. When does thanksgiving become a sacrifice? Why would Thanksgiving be called a sacrifice? Because why? You really don't want to give thanks right now. You're having a bad day right now. You're perturbed right now. You're angry. You're sad right now. He's saying, sacrifice to me Thanksgiving. This is how you communicate with me. Even when things are going wrong, start thanking me. How many of us do that? Not many of our people do that. This is how you communicate with the Most High. We're showing you something here. Even when things are going wrong, you just break down in thanks and see if you can get a response from him. Let's go to Philippians. New Testament. New Testament, brothers and sisters. Philippians, the fourth chapter, the fourth through the sixth
1: verse. Let's talk about that rejoicing. Let's talk about that giving thankfulness. Philippians 4 and 4. Rejoice in the Lord always how long always and again, I say rejoice Paul here is mandating an attitude of of gratitude brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Rejoice in the Lord always and again, I say rejoice Let your moderation be known unto all men. the Lord is at hand Be careful for nothing But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Read it from the top, brother, please. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say... Rejoice. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Acknowledging the goodness in
0: life during times of crisis will allow a person to shift their perspective. And that's what we're seeing here. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. That means sometimes you're going to want to rejoice and sometimes you're not. So what is he showing you? Now you're learning how to get your soul into subjection. He's telling you that even when you don't feel like it, you're going to have to do it. And I'm going to prep you right now. I'm going to prep you right now and tell you, you have to rejoice all the time, whether you feel like it or not. This was preparation, brothers and sisters. So it's precisely under crisis that, you know, crisis conditions, brothers and sisters, is when we have the most to gain from a grateful perspective on life. And this is what he's telling us. Can you read that one more time, brother, from the top? Verse
1: four. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Read that part again, but in everything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, with what, with thanksgiving, with what brother, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You
0: see that he said with thanksgiving, you let your requests be known. See, he's saying, don't, I don't, I don't need to hear from you without Thanksgiving. Consider the, the attitude of gratefulness as the ability to feel grateful, regardless of circumstances, brothers and sisters. Remember, an attitude of gratitude is not natural to man. That's not natural. It's a principle that must be learned. And that's why he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. That's not natural. According to verse 6, read verse 6, brother, because according to verse 6, never come with a petition or request without thanksgiving.
1: Philippians 4 and 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. See, look at that.
0: With prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests. See, so now you're understanding how to get in the presence of the king. See, if you wanted to communicate with the president, there's a certain way in which you would communicate with the president. This is how it is with the king. Okay, if you want to communicate with God, you have to communicate his way. He's the king. This is how you communicate with God, brothers and sisters. Let's look at Psalms 116 and 17. Because why? We're in Jacob's trouble. The Bible tells you that what's coming is. It's something we've never experienced. So we're going to go into the Bible to find out how to communicate with our God in time of crisis.
1: Psalms 116 and 17. What's that say, brother? I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, in the time of crisis, it can feel
0: counterintuitive to embrace gratitude. However, the empirical data supports the Bible brothers and sisters the empirical data there's empirical data i've read articles brothers and sisters that tell you that giving thanks being
1: grateful when things are going wrong is healthy for you read that again brother please verse 17 i will offer to thee the sacrifice of things now
0: let's stop there why is it calling thanksgiving a sacrifice brothers and sisters That's not normal in the Bible. It's not normal to call Thanksgiving a sacrifice because how is a sacrifice telling the Most High you're grateful, you're thankful for something? Sacrifice means you have to lose something. You see that? Sacrifice means it has to hurt. Why would Thanksgiving hurt? Why would I be losing something by saying, you know, how grateful I am? Brothers and sisters, the wording is critical here because a sacrifice is only considered a sacrifice if it cost you something. Now, why would Thanksgiving cost you something? <laughs> because you're offering this when things aren't going right. This is why. You, this is when you're actually offering Thanksgiving. That's why it's called a sacrifice. In the midst of you know things going wrong, is not the time when you naturally would want to break out and start praising the Most High God for everything He's done for you and how how far he's brought you. But the Bible is telling you this is how you communicate. The principle is what? You must lose something to gain something. See, it's a sacrifice. You cannot gain
1: without losing here. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 17. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And will call upon the name of the Lord. See that? So now you're
0: learning about the sacrifice of things given. Is that giving thanks to God when things are going wrong. As soon as things go wrong. It's something I've learned, brothers and sisters. As soon as something starts going wrong in life. You just start thanking the Most High. Out loud. Because why? The power of life and death is in the tongue. So let those words come out of your mouth. Brothers and sisters,
1: follow us to Psalms 95 and 2. Psalms 95 and 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms.
0: According to the psalmist, your presence must be accompanied by a verbal expression of gratitude.
1: Do you see that? Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. With what? Thanksgiving, okay, and make a joyful noise, no,
0: no, do this mentally, you can do this in your mind,
1: make a joyful noise,
0: no, do this in your mind,
1: make a joyful noise unto him with songs, see that Thanksgiving have to come out of your mouth,
0: brothers and sisters, we're reading the protocol, for what, for admins into the presence of the king, so it's telling you, if you would like to address the king This is how you would get into his presence, brothers and sisters. See, come into his presence with what? Read that one more time, brother, because why? The psalmist laments that God's presence is
1: allergic to complaining. Verse two, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with song. See, the Bible tells you how to get into his presence and you do it with thanksgiving.
0: See, why? Because God is allergic to complaining. Attitude is a reflection of the spirit that dwells within, brothers and sisters. That's why he said, "Coming into the king's presence. You couldn't come into the king's presence and put a damper on the king. You could die like that. If you study any of the monarchies of history, if you came into the presence of the king and you were like a Debbie Downer, Or, you know, you made the king have a bad day or go from having a good day to a bad day. You could be thrown in prison for that. So the Most High, as the King of Kings is telling you, when you come into my presence, it better be accompanied with thanksgiving. Now we're learning how to what? How to get into the presence of the king. Because why? Time is going to come where you're going to need to get there. And it's going to be a difference between life. In death, and you you're gonna to need to know what to do. Let's go to Psalms 140 and 13. Same book, just a few chapters. Psalms chapter 140 and verse
1: 13. Psalms 140 and 13. Remember, the Bible called it a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. See that? Examine the correlation between a spirit of
0: gratitude and access into his presence. Read that one more time, brother. Verse
1: 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. Who shall give thanks? The righteous Now, shall... look at that, brothers and sisters. Those
0: who are thankful are considered righteous in the Bible. You see that?
1: You see Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Gratitude
0: realigns us to the giver and increases his activity in our lives, brothers and sisters. The righteous give thanks. The upright dwell in his presence. See, so in order to dwell in his presence, you must be upright. So according to the text, gratitude is the gateway to God. We should know this, Hebrews. We should know this, Israelites, right? We're a little behind. We just found out who we were, you know, who we are not too long ago. Now we're finding out who our God is. Now we're finding out how to communicate when it's a, when it's life or death, because it's it's going to get there, brothers and sisters, according to Jeremiah, the 30th chapter in the seventh verse. What's coming? And guess what? All the other nations, they're calling on their gods. They know how to get in touch with their gods. What about you and I? Read that one more time, brother,
1: please. Verse 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. See? So we give thanks unto the Most High. And imagine
0: a hundred of us at one time on our knees praising, giving thanks unto the Most High. Just imagine how powerful that would be. have a
1: hundred just a hundred of us doing that read that one more time brother please surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name the upright shall dwell in thy presence
0: only the upright dwell in this presence take a look at Psalms 107 and 22 because right now you're learning about what the sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving
1: when it's a sacrifice right Psalms 107 and 22, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Read that again, brother, please. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. The what of thanksgiving? The sacrifices of thanksgiving, and declare his works with rejoicing.
0: In this psalm, the psalmist reveals the nature of a sacrifice of thanksgiving, brothers and sisters. It says, declare his works with rejoicing. See, that's thanksgiving. Can you read that again, brother?
1: Verse 22. And let them sacrifice.
0: Look at this closely because in this passage, the psalmist illustrates what a sacrifice of thanksgiving entails.
1: And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. How? And declare his works with rejoicing. Do what? Declare his works with rejoicing.
0: Here the psalmist reveals what a sacrifice of thanksgiving is. Why is it called a sacrifice again? Why isn't it just called Thanksgiving? Why is it called a sacrifice? See? Because this text is telling you to do that when what? You having a bad day. When things ain't going right. When the answer is no. When God is rebuking you for your behavior. When the Most High rebuke me or teach me something about myself, I thank the Most High. I th- I say thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that I that you... Care enough to show me now than before I stand, you know, before the judgment seat. So he's telling you thankful Thanksgiving. Start declaring how grateful you are for all the things that he've done. You're doing this right when things are going wrong. Right when things are going wrong. Right when somebody is, you know, getting on your last nerve. We usually don't think of that as a good time to, you know, deal with Thanksgiving. We deal with Thanksgiving when we're feeling thankful. But the Bible is telling you a sacrifice of Thanksgiving. That means when it costs you something, when you really are not in the mood to say how thankful you are, you do it anyway. That's a sacrifice. Let's go to Jonah. We're going to show you that. We'll show you that. Let's show you in the Bible that that's what a sacrifice is of thanksgiving is follow us brothers and sisters we're going to Jonah the first chapter the 17th verse this is just the last verse we we're going to go from the last verse of um, the last verse of the first
1: chapter to the first verse of the second chapter Jonah 1 and 17 now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish 3 days and 3 nights. Continue. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. He did what? Prayed unto the Lord his God. Brothers and sisters, read read
0: read verse 17. 1 and 17 again, brother, because here we read of a conspiracy
1: rather than a coincidence, right? Verse 17. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish. That's the key right there. That great
0: fish was prepared. Okay? So this was not a coincidence. This was a conspiracy. The Most High prepared this. He aligned this. See, this is how the Most High will use life. He will orchestrate. He will conspire. He will use the earth to conspire together against you to get your attention.
1: You see this, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 17, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. How long was he in there? Three days and three nights. All right, go to chapter two, verse one. Verse one, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Look at this. Then Jonah prayed. So it's already been three
0: days, and now Jonah wants to start praying. It says, then Jonah prayed. You see that? Do you see this, brothers and sisters? And this is what we do. (laughs) We try to do everything we can to control it, to get ourselves out of it. So Jonah has already been wrong, ran away from God. Him being disobedient have led him to the belly of a whale. And for the first three days, he doesn't humble himself, right? And just start praying and sacrificing. For the first three days, he probably tried to climb up the, you know, try to find his way out himself. It was only until he realized he couldn't get himself out that what happened. Read that one more time, brother.
1: Jonah 2 and 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. See that? Jump to verse 9 and 10, brother. Verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Look at this, brothers and sisters. After three days, he said what? But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Look at this.
0: The circumstances in which he expressed gratitude would characterize his experience as a sacrifice. You see, it's called a sacrifice. Why? Because he's in the belly of a whale, but he's telling the most high everything he's thankful for. Do you see that? Here it is. He swallowed in the belly of a whale, praising the most high, thanking the most high, giving the most high praise and and thankfulness in the belly of a a whale. Do you see how that would be a sacrifice? Brothers and sisters, he's in the belly of a whale, yet he's telling the most high how grateful he is. That's called a sacrifice because most people in the belly of a whale are not in the mood to tell God how grateful they are. That's why it's called a sacrifice, brothers and sisters. According to the text, a sacrifice of thanksgiving is always vocal. It's always
1: verbal. Read that one more time, brother, please. Jonah 2 and 9, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. With the what? The voice of thanksgiving. With the voice of thanksgiving. See, there's a voice connected
0: to this thanksgiving. See, it's always vocal. It's always verbal.
1: I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah up the dry land. You see that, brothers and sisters? So we see that only did Jonah seek
0: God after his own best efforts had failed, but he knew what to do. Sacrifice of thanksgiving So remember Nothing happened until he began To offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving Let's go back on that because I hope you didn't Miss that
1: read verse 1 again Brother Jonah 2 and 1 Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God Out of the fish's belly
0: So he prayed and
1: nothing happened Brothers and sisters okay Read please brother verse 2 Verse 2 And said I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Now look at that. The Most High did nothing.
0: He prayed. That's the first thing he did was he started praying. That's not how he got God to move. He didn't get God to move by praying. How do we know? Jump down to verse 9, brother.
1: Verse 9 but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. See that? There's some doors that prayer doesn't
0: open. Okay? There's some doors that prayer does not open. He's praying in verse 1. Now in verse 9, he's like, "Okay, well that didn't work. I need to start giving I need to start giving gratitude to the Most High." You see that, brothers and sisters? You see that principle right there? There's some doors that prayer will not answer. What will answer this door is what?
1: Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land.
0: Nothing happened until he began to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. See, this, brothers and sisters, now you're learning how to communicate with God. This is how you communicate. This is how you get him to respond, brothers and sisters. Okay, it's just like, you know, in in the old days, for you to get the king to do something, it was very hard to get into the king's presence. Everyone didn't just go into the king's presence, and there was a what? There was etiquette when you went into the king's presence. And right now we're learning. We're learning about how to communicate with our God. And you do it through what? The sacrifice of thanksgiving. Let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke 17 and 12.
1: We're going to have Brother Christopher read 12 through 19. Luke 17 and 12. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Christ, Master, have mercy on us. Here it was, ten lepers, brothers and sisters, ten lepers. Verse 14. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. He said he told these ten to go show themselves to the priests, these ten lepers. And one of them When he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And did what? Giving him thanks. So one of them came back,
0: fell on his face, giving thanks.
1: And he was a Samaritan. And Christ answered. He was a
0: Samaritan. He was a Gentile.
1: And Christ answering said. Were there not ten men cleansed? Wasn't there ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Why did only one come back? There are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 18. There are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. He's
0: saying none of the rest returned except this stranger, this Gentile. No Jews, no Israelites came back. What are we seeing, brothers and sisters? We're naturally ungrateful, according to the Bible. Naturally, you're ungrateful. That's why you have to tell your kids, say thank you. See that? They don't say thank you on their own. Naturally, you're just naturally ungrateful, brothers and sisters. You have to be taught to be thankful, brothers and sisters. See? If you closely examine these passages... He received salvation while the other ones only received the healing. Let's read that again. Go back up to verse 12, brothers and sisters.
1: Luke 17 and 12.
0: We want to show you one received salvation, the others were just healed.
1: And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Christ, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Christ answering said, Were there not ten men cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. Save this stranger. So, brothers and sisters, gratitude is an
0: acquired skill. We're naturally ungrateful. And that's why you had to teach your child. Or that's why you had to be taught by your mama and by your daddy, by your grandparents. Say thank you. Right? Remember those days? Why did they have to tell you to say thank you? They didn't have to to tell you to grab anything or to eat, right? Or to ask for things. No, that comes natural. Saying thankful or being grateful does not come natural, brothers and sisters. So we know that what? We're not as grateful to God as we actually should be because why? It doesn't come naturally. See? So we're not here to fault, brothers and sisters. We know you're not doing your best because it's not natural. There's something that has to be taught to us. That's why we're here, brothers and sisters. So now we're learning how to communicate once again. Let's go to Hebrews, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Hebrews 13 and 15. New Testament here, brothers and sisters.
1: Hebrews 13 and 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Read that again, brother, please. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. The what? The sacrifice of praise.
0: The sacrifice of praise. Brothers and sisters, why is it called a sacrifice? Now, remember, praise does not always cost us something, right? Sacrifice of praise is when I have to deny myself to give God praise. That's why it's called a sacrifice, brothers and sisters. Praise is not called a sacrifice a lot in the Bible. Only a few times because why? There's a certain principle, an ideology that comes with a sacrifice. That means I'm willing to lose something. It hurts to praise God, right? When you sacrifice something... Right, you giving something up in exchange. It hurts. An animal loses its life. Read that one more time, brother,
1: please. Verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise See, to God. the
0: sacrifice of praise, brothers and sisters. Like, to praise God when the answer is no. Guess what? That requires personal sacrifice. See? That's when God says no to one of your prayers. And then you praise him while he's saying no. That's called a sacrifice, brothers and sisters. Our praise of God is not to be based on our opinion of his job performance. That's why it's called a sacrifice
1: of praise. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually.
0: Continually. See, that's the key. Sometimes you feel like praising him. Sometimes you don't.
1: Right. It's telling you to do it. How long? continually that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name see giving
0: god praise is not a matter of feeling good about him brothers and sisters our god is good even you know even when we're not so he deserves our praise brothers and sisters especially when we don't feel or see anything to be grateful about see that's the point right there It's a psychological war that we're going through. You need to know what Satan knows. He knows you don't know how to communicate. He knows that. It's called a sacrifice of praise. So that means when something's going on, when you really don't feel like praising God, that that's when it becomes a sacrifice. When something is going wrong, you start praising him, telling him how great he is. Tell how wonderful he is, how merciful he is, right? So now we're seeing, brothers and sisters, we learned about what? A sacrifice of thanksgiving, a sacrifice of praise. What is this talking about? It's showing us how to do what? How to praise God when you don't feel like it. How to be grateful and thankful when you don't feel like it. It's showing you how to have control. See, this is about how to control your emotions, how to control your mind. See, that's what this whole thing is about, brothers and sisters. The sacrifice. That means it hurts. It hurts to thank God. It hurts to praise God. Why? Because there's something going on in which you don't feel grateful. And all of this has to be done with your mouth, brothers and sisters,
1: with your mouth. Follow us to Psalms 43 and 5. Psalms 43 and 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Now, brothers and sisters, first,
0: the psalmist highlights his current condition, followed by a praise of his soul.
1: What's his current condition? Read that again, brother. Verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul. What did he say? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? See, so the psalmist emphasizes his current condition
0: before urging his soul to praise God. Take a listen.
1: Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. Do what? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him. For what? I shall yet praise him.
0: I shall yet praise him. So first he said, I'm de- I'm essentially depressed. I'm cast down, right? I'm disquieted within my soul. Yet shall I praise him.
1: Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him.
0: See that even though I'm cast down in my soul, I yet shall praise him.
1: Who is the health of my countenance? And my God, see that?
0: So after outlining his current condition, he goes on to instruct his soul to praise God. See that based on the text, his feelings and circumstances did not determine whether he gave praise, whether he gave praise. See that? The first thing he did was say, why is my soul cast down? Why am I anxious? Why is there no peace in me? Yet, even though there's no peace in me, I will praise him. See that? That's called a sacrifice of praise, brothers and sisters. Do you praise God when you don't feel like it? Do you thank God when you don't feel like it? When things are
1: going wrong? Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse five. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him.
0: Look at how he's talking to himself here, brothers and sisters. See that? Sometimes you have to speak to yourself. He's speaking to his soul. He understands. This is his spirit talking. We know that man is a Trinitarian formula, which is there's three parts of man. The inner part of man is his spirit. His soul contains his spirit. His body contains his soul, and that's the three. Here it is. He's speaking from his spirit. He's saying, "You will praise God, even though you don't feel like it. I recognize that you don't feel like it, but you will praise
1: God. Why? Read the read read it again, brother. Verse five. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God." For I shall yet praise him. You're going to praise him. Who is the health of my countenance and my God. Why? Who is the health of my countenance.
0: Because he's the health of my countenance. And my God. And my God. You see that, brothers and sisters? Here it was. He was controlling. He was, you know, directing his soul to praise God, even though his soul did not feel like praising God. See, that's the control you have to have over your vessel. That is the control that leaders are going to have to have during this time. You're going to have to have control of your emotions. You're going to have to be able to do things you don't feel like doing. Let's go to Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16 and
1: 23. Brothers and sisters. Proverbs 16 and 23. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The text indicates that the mouth must be taught. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 23. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. And did what? Addeth learning to his lips. The inner self is the teacher
0: who instructs the mouth what to say. Do you see, brothers and sisters? this is what we were just seeing with David remember Psalms Psalms 43 and 5 said why art thou cast down o my soul why art thou disquieted within me hope in God for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance see that so he's telling his soul what to do brothers and sisters this is what he
1: understood can you read that again brother verse 23. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth. See
0: that? He controls what comes out of his mouth. He tells his mouth what to say. See, that's the wise.
1: And addeth learning to his list. See, so the implication of the
0: text is that the heart is the source of whatever comes out of the mouth.
1: See that? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 23 The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth. What teaches his mouth? The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. See, so whatever's in your heart is what comes out of your mouth, brothers and sisters.
0: Your mouth is like an overflow. It's just like a cup, brothers and sisters. If you continue to pour water on this cup, what does it do? It starts overflowing out of the sides. This is what happens with your heart, brothers and sisters, and with your mouth. Once it's full, it overflows and it comes out of your mouth in words, brothers and sisters. So what's in your heart? The overflow is what actually comes out. Okay? Let's look at Psalms 103. Psalms 103, brothers and sisters. Psalms 103 and 1. We're showing you how to direct your soul. How to tell your mouth what to say.
1: Psalms 103 and 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Here he goes again, brothers and sisters. If David is speaking to his soul, it is not his soul that's speaking, right, brothers and sisters? Read that again, please. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Brothers and sisters, the psalmist
0: provides a pattern for commanding our soul in seasons of low affection. See that? He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't you dare forget his benefits. You see that? That's how a wise man is in control. He tells himself how to feel. He tells his soul what it's going to do. See, as we read of David, we see a man who is in control of his emotions. We don't have this amongst our people. Our men are emotional right now. We are the most emotional people. That's why we're killing each other. Men are emotional right now. Look at
1: David. Read that
0: again, please, brother, from the top. Verse
1: 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. All
0: that is within me.
1: Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He says, bless the Lord, and then he tells him
0: why. Forget not his benefits. You see that, brothers and sisters? Do you see that? This Psalms gives us a pattern for governing our soul in low times of affection, brothers and sisters. This is here. This is what you do. We should be learning from this right here. This is ultimate control. Even when I don't feel like it. Sometimes you just want to feel love. Sometimes you just want to sulk. Right? It feels good to just sulk. You want to feel sorry for yourself. David was the opposite. The time will come that what? You're going to have to dictate. You're going to have to dictate what's going to to transpire. Your soul is. Is going to have to be what? Following directions from the spirit. This is the key from leadership, especially from men. Men have to get in control of the emotions like David was. Let's go to Psalms 106. Psalms 106. We're going to have Brother Christopher read verse
1: 7 through 12. Psalms 106 and 7. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt they remember not the multitude of thy mercies our fathers understood the <clears throat> wonders in Egypt but provoked him at the sea even at the red sea nevertheless he saved them from <clears throat> excuse me nevertheless he saved them for his name's sake he saved us why he saved them for his name's sake that he might make his mighty power to be known
0: see the most high saved us for his name's sake see so when the most high re- when the most high saves you it's not for
1: you brothers and sisters it's for his name's sake continue verse 9 he rebuked the red sea also and it was dried up so he led them through the depths as through the wilderness And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them. And he did what? He saved them from the hand of him that hated them, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And did what? And redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. There was what? There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. Then what? Then believe they his word.
0: Then they believed his words. You see that? The Most High had to split the Red Sea and kill the enemy before we believed his words. You see that? Read that again, brother. Read it from the top because I want you to see our people. That before we would praise the Most High, he had to do all this. And I tell my people this. Don't make your love so expensive. Okay? Don't make your love so expensive. Read verse 8, please, brethren.
1: Psalms 106 and 8. Nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also. What did he do? Rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths, as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them, and redeemed them. From the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. Then what? Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. See that? We praised the
0: Most High only after he had destroyed our enemies. You see how ungrateful we are, brothers and sisters? See, we didn't understand a sacrifice of praise. See, we should have praised him before he before he split the Red Sea. See, that was at the beginning of our relationship with God. We really didn't know God. We were getting to know God. We waited for him to deliver us before we praised him, before we believed his words. No faith. No faith. That was the beginning of our relationship. Take a look at Psalms 50 and 23. I want you to see this, brothers and sisters. Psalms, the 50th chapter, the 23rd verse. That's the last verse
1: in the 50th chapter. Psalms 50 and 23. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. Brothers and sisters, according to the text, praise Opens closed doors. Did you see that? Can you read that again, brother? Verse 23. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. He does what? Glorifieth me. Brothers and sisters, the
0: one who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving makes a way for the most high to bring excuse me, to bring deliverance in that situation. Read that one
1: more time, brother. Verse 23. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. See, so praise according to the text is the key to opening closed
0: doors, brothers and sisters. It is the key. The most high will perform the deliverance, but he cannot accomplish that until you provide a way for it. This is what it's telling you. He's saying when you offer a praise that glorifies me. Now I can show you the salvation of God. I can't show you the salvation until you offer the praise. You see that, brothers and sisters?
1: This is where we are now. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 23 Whoso offereth praise glorifies me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. See
0: that he that ordereth his conversation aright, that means verbal, that means vocal. (laughs) <laughs> See, once you order that, all right, I can show you the salvation. See that, brothers and sisters, according to the author, if we had praised God, we could have evaded a lot of difficult situations. Just offering praise. He said, because you offered praise to me, you've made a way for me to show you salvation. Now I can come in through praise. You open the door for praise. I can come in through that door. See that, brothers and sisters? The title of today's lesson? Don't drop the mic. The subtitle? God Speaks. Let's go to Matthew, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Matthew 12 and 34. Why, wow, brother Christopher, read verse 34 and
1: 35. Matthew 12 and 34. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Our speech is a great revealer of what's in our hearts. Examine what Christ says here. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 34. Old generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. For out of what? Out of the abundance of the heart. Out of the abundance
0: of the heart, the mouth speaketh. See, so according to the text, the mouth is the overflow valve of the heart. See, your heart is filled and what it's filled with comes out of the mouth. Whatever's in your heart will come out when you speak. Read 34 and
1: 35 one more time, please, brother. Verse 34. Old generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. According to the text, people
0: speak from the heart. So, speech is a good indication of its contents, brothers and sisters. This is key. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Always think that. Always think about that, brothers and sisters. Always keep that in mind when you're dealing with people. It's like the overflow valve. Whatever's in their heart, it's overflowing, coming out of their mouth. So, now you know what the contents is. You know what's actually there, brothers and sisters. Let's look at Romans, the 10th chapter, the 10th verse. Romans 10 and 10. The title of today's lesson is, don't drop the mic. We're learning about communication. There's certain things that you can do to get God's attention, brothers
1: and sisters. Romans 10 and 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Read that again, brother, please. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The text teaches
0: us that speech relates directly to the contents of your heart. Listen to it again.
1: Verse 10. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation with the heart he
0: believes with the mouth he confesses what he believes you see that so that means if praise does not flow from your lips it's a clear indication that praise
1: has not filled your heart because it's telling you that from the read that one more time brother verse 10 for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness see that with the heart he believes And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And with the mouth is confessed what he believes. So genuine
0: salvation involves what? Both mouth and heart, according to the
1: author. See that? Read that one more time, please, brother. Romans 10 and 10. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Heart. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Here the author
0: asserts the mouth and the heart are both involved in genuine salvation and that's the key brothers and sisters heart and mouth the mouth has to be involved because why a lot of times we we do a lot of praying in our head we do a lot of thanking God in our head no you don't get God to move by praying in your head you don't get God to move by being grateful and thankful in your head brothers and sisters okay you're gonna be in some dire situations. Our people are gonna be in some dire situations. Let's go to first John four. First John, the fourth chapter, the twentieth verse.
1: First John four and twenty. If a man say I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Brothers and
0: sisters, the the text teaches that it's easy to deceive ourselves into thinking that we love God when in fact we do not. Can you read that again, brother?
1: Verse 20. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. See that? For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen?
0: If a person cannot love those they see, they cannot reasonably claim to love those they cannot see. That's what the Bible is telling you here. Can you read that
1: one more time, brother? Verse 20. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, How can he love God whom he has not seen? If you don't love your visible brother, then you can't
0: be loving the invisible God. That's the principle here. So according to the author, the visibility should make it easier for people to comply. You see this, brothers and sisters? He's saying the visibility alone should make it easy to comply. How can you love me whom you've never seen and hate a brother that you see every day? That principle is key, brothers and sisters, okay? That's a key principle. That visibility is supposed to help with compliance because look at Matthew 8 and 5. There's a principle there. How can you love somebody you haven't seen when you can't love those whom you've seen? There's a principle there. Let's take a look. Matthew 8 and 5. We'll
1: read 5 through 10. Matthew eight and five. This is Christ. I want you to listen to Christ. And when Christ was entered into <clears throat> excuse me, and when Christ was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, begging, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Christ saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not that I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed for I am a man under authority having soldiers under me and I say to this man go and he goeth and to another come and he cometh and to my servant do this and he doeth it when Christ heard it when, when Christ, Christ heard it what he marvelled And said to them that follow. What did he say to those that follow? Barely I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. This
0: was a Gentile here. This was an Edomite.
1: What did he say? Barely I say unto you, I have not found so great faith.
0: What is he doing right here, brothers and sisters? Is he praying for him
1: or is he praising him? What did he say, brother? I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel.
0: Christ had no problem praising a brother. You see that? Many times Christ praised the brother. Here he says, this man, excuse me, this man here, this brother here, I haven't seen so great faith in all of Israel, amongst all the Israelites. <clears throat> you see this? Christ was praising him. Same way he did with Zacchaeus, brothers and sisters. The tax collector, remember? Christ praised plenty of brothers throughout the Bible. Imagine Christ praising you. What we discovered is that those who struggle with praising their contemporaries also struggle with praising God. Because see, here it was, Christ always praised a brother who deserved praise. And that also turned to what? Him praising God. Because why? It's supposed to be easier to love somebody you see than someone who you don't see. So how can you praise God whom you do not see? And you can't even praise the brother or sister that deserve your praise right in front of your face. You see that, brothers and sisters? Obedience should be easier if visibility is available. That's what we learn. So when visibility is available, compliance should be easier. Are we too proud to praise a man? Are we too proud to praise a sister? Are we too proud? Because it's that same pride that's keeping you from praising God. It's the same pride. Let's read that one more time, brother. Read uh, verse
1: 8. Matthew 8 and 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Christ heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no not in Israel. I
0: just wanted to show that Christ had no problem praising a brother. you see that? That's humility to be able to praise another brother to be able to praise another sister that's humility. and guess what? the Bible tells you that how can you love a brother you know how how can you love God whom you've never seen and you can't love the brother you see? How can you praise a God you haven't seen and you can't praise the brother you've seen? See that? So, when the process of praising the visible is difficult, the process of praising the invisible is even harder. See, so that's that next level to be able to praise each other, be able to give each other love. We can't even give each other love. These curses have ravaged us where we're too cool to give each other love now. Because they're going to think I'm soft if I give them love. If I praise the brother, they're going to think I praised him because I'm soft. This is how we think. This is how we think. Look at how the devil then got us twisted. Look how twisted the devil got us. Well, we won't even show love to other black people because people will think we're soft. Let's go to uh, Proverbs 27, brother. Proverbs,
1: the 27th chapter, the second verse. Proverbs 27 and 2. Let another man praise thee. Why do we go there? Because some people are saying, are
0: you saying that we're allowed to praise another person, Sid, brother Sid? Are you saying this is, you know, we're allowed to praise another man, brother Christopher, Commandment Keepers Church? Well, listen, I didn't say you're allowed to praise another man. The Bible said it. Read that again, brother.
1: Verse 2, let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. See? So according to the
0: text, the Bible permits a man or woman to praise their contemporaries. See? Neither a man nor a woman is prohibited by the Bible from praising their contemporaries. And I want to put that out there. Because we're not going to let you hide your pride under... Well, we're not supposed to praise man. You're not supposed to worship man. You can praise
1: man. How do we know? Read that again, brother. Verse two, let another man praise thee. Let another man praise thee. And not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips.
0: Why? Because self-boasting is always a source of weakness, as well as revelation of vanity, brothers and sisters. In lieu of praising oneself, this proverb advises to allow a stranger to do so. Why? Because praise is only as good as its source, brothers and sisters. Our own praise is too unobjective to be useful at all. So an example is is calling yourself humble is actually false humility. If a brother comes to me and says, yeah, man, I'm humble, I'm thinking, whew. Usually, the people who are humble don't say they're humble. They let someone else say they're humble. See? If that's true, then let others acknowledge it. We just went here to show you that the Bible says you can praise another man. Because why? Your lack, your pride, where you can't praise a brother, is that same pride that causes you not to praise the God you don't see. See? It's not that you just don't praise God. You don't praise no one. See? And that's the key. And you're going to learn, you're going to need to learn, we're going to need to learn how to maneuver, how to communicate. Communication is going to be absolutely critical. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha, 51 and 29. The title of today's lesson,
1: Don't Drop the Mic. God Speaks. Ecclesiasticus 51 and 29. Let your soul rejoice in his mercy and be not ashamed of his praise. Be not what? Be not ashamed of his praise. When you're too ashamed
0: to give merited praise, you're showing your pride. And see, this was the key. He's showing you that You can be ashamed to praise. And this is why we don't praise each other. We're ashamed to praise each other. See that? There's a shame or humility that's there that comes
1: with that. To praise another brother or sister. Can you read that again, brother? Let your soul rejoice in his mercy and be not ashamed of his praise. We discover in this passage that pride is insecurity's
0: best friend. The, the insecurity of many people makes them unable to compliment or praise other people, brothers and sisters. See? So your ability to praise or compliment another person emphasizes your self-esteem, brothers and sisters. If you have low self-esteem, just start praising other people and see what happens. Being complimentary to others is one of the best ways to be, uh, to boost your own self-esteem. There's actually empirical data. Teaching this. Psychological data. Teaching this. Brothers and sisters. To build your own self-esteem. You praise other people.
1: Read that one more time. Brother please. Verse 29. Let your soul rejoice in his mercy. And be not ashamed of his praise. Let's be honest. Our people. Most of us are not praising God. Especially those
0: of us who don't go to church. Like you know. How we used to go on Sunday. They had praise and worship there. And that was the only time you praised or worshiped God. So let's be real. You're not praising God. We need to though. We need to. Even though you're not going to church every, you know. Maybe you listen to the, you know, the podcast. uh, But you're not going anywhere in person. You still need to praise God. You still have to praise him personally. Let's go to Matthew 21, brother. Matthew 21 and 16.
1: Take a look at this. Matthew 21 and 16. And said unto him, Hearest thou what they say? And Christ said unto them, Yeah, have ye never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. He thou hast what? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Thou has what? Perfected praise. The youth is emphasized in
0: this text as a beneficial ministry, brothers and sisters. We should not overlook this valuable resource in the
1: master's plan, and that's the youth. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 16. And said unto him, Here is thou what they say. And Christ saith unto them, Yeah, have you never read? Have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, out
0: of the mouth of children,
1: thou hast perfected praise. See?
0: So youth will have a decisive role in overthrowing the enemy. The Bible is telling you, Have you never read that out of the mouth of the babes thou hast perfected praise? See? So this is what's going on. The youth are now teaching their parents. The youth are now perfecting praise. Brothers and sisters, the Most High always used the youth for deliverance, okay? Remember David and Goliath. Remember Moses being placed on the waters. We can go forth, so forth and so on, brothers and sisters. Remember Christ, right? <laughs> Christ being born and having to be hid, right? Why? Because he always used a child to tear down the enemy. Why do you think they're pushing abortions, brothers and sisters? He always used a child. He always used a child. Let's go to Psalms, the 8th chapter, the
1: 2nd verse. Psalms 8 and 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger.
0: Now, brothers and sisters, according to the Psalms, it's through praising God that the mouth of the devil is shut. Let's look at this, because remember, the last scripture said what? It said that, have ye never read, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise this time it says something else read that again brother please verse
1: 2 out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength thou has ordained what ordained strength why because of thine enemies that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger that thou may what thou mightest steal
0: that thou mayest steal that means to quiet the enemy see According to the psalmist, the mouth has the power to silence the enemy. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained praise, which is called strength. Why is it called strength? That thou mightest steal the enemy. It is of the utmost importance that we recognize the place of the tongue and the power it wields when releasing words, brothers and sisters. In this particular passage, the tongue is revealed as your weapon in the mouth. It has the power to steal the enemy. That means to silence or to quiet the enemy. He hates when you praise God. See, when things aren't going right and you praise God, he hates it. He's going to flee. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 2. Right now we're showing what? The Bible is showing you how important it is to get control over your emotions. To be able to do what you don't feel like doing during these last days. To be able to direct your soul.
1: Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies. That thou mightest steal the enemy. That thou might what? Thou mightest steal the enemy. And the avenger. You see that brothers and sisters? So we're
0: showing you the power of praise. To do what? To quiet the mouth of the enemies. See? Let's go to Psalms 96 and 8. Same book. Different chapter.
1: Psalms the ninety-six chapter. The 8th verse. Psalms 96 and 8. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Brothers and sisters, examine it again, because you must have something to offer
0: him when we come before him. Read that again, brother, please. Verse
1: 8. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Do what? Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering. And come into his courts. The
0: most high ordained. Whenever his people come before him. They shall not come only to receive. But to give. You see that brothers and sisters. Look at how he set that up. Read that again brother please.
1: Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. The
0: first word of this
1: particular verse is what? Give. See that brothers and sisters. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his court. See, if we come without
0: anything to give, we have not met his requirements. See that, brothers and sisters. Historically, a gift or present was expected for anyone coming before, you know, a king or royalty. If you know anything about a monarchy, a theocracy, brothers and sisters, if you know anything about history, when you met a king or queen, you came with a gift. You never came into their presence without a gift. And the Bible understands
1: that. God understands that. That's why he said what in verse 8? Verse 8. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering.
0: See, he said bring an
1: offering and what? And come into his courts.
0: What comes before coming into his courts? Bring an offering. See that? (laughs) He's saying come into the courts, but you better have something. You better have something that you're willing to give. See that, brothers and sisters? And and let us show you. That particular principle is something that we have lost in the Western world. But the Bible holds that intact. Let's take a look at 1 Kings 10. If you came into the presence of a king, you were mandated to give a gift. That was the proper etiquette. And we'll prove that by going to the Queen of Sheba when she dealt with Solomon. We're at 1 Kings chapter 10. We're going to have brother Christopher
1: read verse one and two. First Kings 10 and one. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels that bear spices with camels that did what that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. See, that royal protocol requires that a gift must be presented when
0: visiting a king. Now, this is even from a queen or another king. You see that kings never went into another king's presence without a gift. So this was royal etiquette. Here it is. She's the queen
1: and she came with all of this. Read that verse again, brother. Verse two. Verse two. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices, and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him. See? Of all that was in her heart. So she asked questions, but the thing
0: was, you cannot, brothers and sisters, you cannot make a deposit. Excuse me, you cannot make a withdrawal where you have not made a deposit. So first she came to give, and now once she gave, now she could take, which was, I have questions. This is how it works, brothers and sisters. You cannot withdraw where you have not deposited. She understood that. So the first thing she did when she came was make a deposit. It was the camels with the bare spices and very much gold and precious stones. She's making a deposit. Why? Because she has a withdrawal. See, this is proper etiquette here. Jump to verse 10, brother. 1
1: Kings 10 and 10. And she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices, very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Which who? The queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. See this? She understood
0: etiquette. She was the queen and yet she's given the king gifts, right? Jump to verse 13, brother. Verse 13. Now, remember, she's a queen,
1: right? So essentially, she's a king in this sense. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desires whatsoever she asked. Brothers and sisters, what you'll learn is giving to a king
0: does what? It places a demand on his wealth because a king cannot allow himself to be outgiven. So if you give the king a gift, he has to outgive you. Why? Because he's the king. So, he can't allow you to outgive him. And see, that's the principle. When God said, give 10%, <laughs> he's going to outgive you. He never gives you back the same that you gave. If you went in with five, you don't come out with five. Because why? He's the king. His namesake is on there. See, a king always has to multiply what you give. That's proper etiquette. Read that again, brother,
1: please. Verse 13. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desires whatsoever she asked. Beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. See that, brothers and sisters?
0: Giving to a king, it places a demand on his wealth. So whatever he receives as a gift, he must return in multiplied form. You see that? Everything she gave, he multiplied. You see that, brothers and sisters? The the king of heaven is the same way. When we give to him, he responds in kind, but in much greater measure, brothers and sisters. That's just royal etiquette. King has to multiply whatever he receives. He has to outgive you. If you give 10, he have to give you 100. That's just how it is. So when we give to the king, it begets giving back to us because our generosity, it attracts the king's wealth to us. It always does, brothers and sisters. If you study theocracies, giving to the the king always attracts his wealth because why? He's a giver and he's attracted to those, you know, who like to give, who share a spirit. See, so that's why the Most High said he likes a cheerful giver. See? If you're angry to give, then don't give it. Because he likes a cheerful giver. And guess what? Whatever you give, he'll multiply. He's going to multiply and give whatever you gave back to you. Why? For his name's sake. So his name. When people know his name, they know the best. They know only the best come with that God. He's doing it for his name's sake. It's just like Apple, brothers and sisters. If your Apple product stops working, guess what? They have a warranty where they will give you a brand new Apple product. Why? For their namesake. See? It's for their name. Apple. They want their name to be respected. That's what the Most High is doing. He wants his name to be respected. We're showing you how to get into the King's presence. You have to come offering something. You better come with a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, something you cannot come into his presence empty handed. Let us show you. Let's go to Psalms 76 and 11.
1: Psalms 76 and 11. Bow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring presence unto him that ought to be feared. Let all that be around what, brother? Let all that be round about him bring presence unto him that ought to be feared. This protocol of presenting a gift to the king reflects a
0: principle of heaven, brothers and sisters. The expectation was to have something valuable in hand to present to pay proper respect and to demonstrate Humility. See this, brothers and sisters, because we live in a democracy, we don't even understand how theocracies work anymore. We don't even know how kings and queens and kingdoms work anymore. This is how it works. Can you read that again, brother?
1: Verse 11. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring presence unto him that ought to be feared. See, so we're never to come empty
0: handed before our king. <clears throat> So he talked. We talked about what the sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of thanksgiving, right? See this, he's telling you. Take a look at Psalms one hundred. We're learning a lot today, brothers and sisters, about communication with God. Because we don't read the Old Testament, we forgot how to communicate with God. Because why? In the New Testament, it's just strictly through the church. All communication is strictly through the church, right? In the Old Testament, people had one-on-ones. People had individual, uh, you know, individual situations with the Most High in which they dealt with the Most High privately, right? So we're learning some of those same tenets of when we had enemies against us in the Old Testament and we needed to... We needed to be able to communicate effectively, efficiently
1: with our God. Let's take a look. We're at Psalms 104. Psalms 104. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise.
0: Brothers and sisters, notice that there are two stages of access to the Most High. Through the gates and through
1: the courts. Let's take a look. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving And into his courts with praise. See, so the first step of access is what?
0: Thanksgiving, right? Why should we thank him? Why should we thank him? The psalmist provides three reasons to thank the most high at all times. Let's read it again.
1: Verse 4: Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. Why? For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. See, so these passages show the appropriate way to enter
0: into his presence. See, now we look at how to behave once you're in his presence. First thing we see is to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And then you get into the courts with praise. And then it tells you why you should praise him. You should praise him because the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endure to all generations. So it's telling you, you always have a reason to be grateful. I don't care what's going right or wrong in your life. Verse five still stands. Even when things are going, even when you're having a bad day, verse five still stands. So now, now we showed you how to get into his presence. How do you operate while you're in it? How do you operate now? Let's go to Matthew 15. How do you solicit a response from God? Once you've gotten into his presence, what happens? We're at Matthew 15 and 21. We'll have Brother Christopher read 21 through 28. How to solicit a response from the Most High
1: God? Matthew 15 and 21. Then Christ went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. My daughter is what? My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. What did he do? He answered her not a word.
0: Christ ignored her. This
1: sister came to him and said, My daughter is sick with the devil. He ignored her. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, What did he say? I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I take
0: a Christian right here. So why are you saying that it doesn't matter Who the Israelites are. God love everybody. When Christ said what? What did he say? I am not
1: sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was
0: sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's who he was sent to. So you can't tell us that it doesn't matter who the Israelites are. When Christ said that's who he was sent
1: to. See that? Read that one more time brother please. Verse 24. Verse 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel.
0: So he's already ignored her. Now he said he's only sent to the lost sheep.
1: Then came she and worshipped him. She did what? She worshipped him. She did what? She worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, truth. Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Christ answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Brothers and sisters, this story teaches us a a vital
0: principle on how to instigate a response from God. The text teaches us that when God is silent, you fall down on your face and worship him. Remember, Christ ignored her. What did she do? She fell down on her face and she started to worship him. That's how she got the response. Let's read it again.
1: Let's go back up. Um, read verse 23. Matthew 15 and 23. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cried after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So here it was. He turned her down. Then came she and worshipped him. See that?
0: She didn't allow that to stop her. See, she, according to the author, worship gets a response from God. Because now watch. Once she
1: worships, look at his response. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, see, now here
0: he comes, brothers and sisters. Now here he comes. So we wanted to show you that worship will get a response. Initially, he wouldn't even answer. See that, brothers and sisters. So we're showing you worship gets an answer from God. Worship gets an answer from God. Worship gets a response from God. Let's look at Matthew four and ten,
1: brothers and sisters. Matthew four and ten. Then saith Christ unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. What is written? Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Thou shalt do what? Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Brothers and sisters. You shall worship, then you shall
0: serve. You see that? He said, Thou shalt worship, right? Can you read that again?
1: <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 10. Then saith Christ unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. Thou shalt worship the Lord, and him only shalt thou serve. And him only And him
0: only shalt thou serve. In order to serve God, we must first worship him. And that's what this text is telling you. Thou shalt worship the Lord God, and then you shall serve. So Christ said that we had to worship the Lord before we could serve the Lord. So if you don't worship him, you do not serve him. Brothers and sisters, the text teaches us why most service is ineffective. Why? Because there's no worship. See? That's not service, what you're doing. When there's no worship, you have not served yet. Read that again, brother,
1: please. Verse 10, then saith Christ unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. See, you shall worship first, and
0: once you worship him, now you have access to serve. You cannot do one without the other. If you, if you haven't worshipped him, you have not served him, brothers and sisters. And that is why most service is ineffective. We're seeing it right there, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Hebrews 5 and 8. We're talking about communication. We're talking about controlling our emotions during these last days. We're talking about
1: psychological warfare. Hebrews 5 and 8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. This is talking about the Messiah. This is talking about
0: Christ. Can you read that again, brother?
1: Verse 8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Yet learned what? Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. According to the text, the ability to obey has to be learned, brothers and
0: sisters. It doesn't come naturally. Okay, that's why your parents had to teach you. That's why you teach your children if you have children. What's right, right? Having to submit to something that opposes your own will
1: is the only way to learn obedience, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 8, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. See,
0: so it's only when we have to renounce our will that obedience is learned, brothers and sisters. See, you only learn obedience when you suffer, which means when you really want something or you feel strongly about something and God says no. So your will has to suffer. Because you really want this, but God is saying, no, you've, that's, that's when you've learned obedience. See, you haven't learned obedience on certain things because certain things you don't really feel strongly about. The Bible tells you to do a lot of things that we really don't feel that strongly about. Don't really care that much. So that's not learning obedience because those are things in which you don't really care about that much. But there's some things. There's some things that you care about enough to where you will be willing to suffer and learn obedience. Let's go to Peter, brothers and sisters. Let's go to 1 Peter 4 and 1. 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, the
1: first verse. 1 Peter 4 and 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh. In the flesh. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Brothers and sisters, Peter writes
0: that believers should arm themselves with the same attitude towards
1: suffering that Christ carried. Can you read that again, brother? For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind.
0: Now remember, his suffering stemmed from his denials, brothers and sisters, right? He denied himself. He had the power to call down
1: legions, right? But did not. Continue. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath seized from sin. Look at
0: that. He that hath suffered in the flesh hath seized from sin. So the context of this passage shows that suffering in the flesh is denial of one's will. See, suffering of the flesh is what? Seizing from sin. Even though you want to, I'm going to cease from it. See, that's called suffering. Can you read that
1: again, brother? For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath seized from sin. Continue. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men. But... But to the will of God. The
0: opposite of pleasure is suffering. Brothers and sisters. To suffer is to deny our flesh. The pleasure of sin. So it refers to the pain caused. To the flesh by the denial. Of his desires. This is what he was telling you. Brothers and sisters. You learn obedience to the things. Which he suffered. It says for he that hath suffered. In the flesh. Have ceased from sin. Why? Because suffering in the flesh. Is to stop sinning. Brothers and sisters. It's to go against what you really want to do. Naturally. In the flesh. You see that brothers and sisters. Let's take a look at. Ecclesiasticus. In the Apographa. Let's go to the apographer. Ecclesiasticus chapter 2. We're going to read 1 through 5. There's a principle here that we must learn.
1: Ecclesiasticus 2 and 1. My son, if thou come to serve the Lord, prepare thy soul for temptation. Do what? Prepare thy soul for temptation. What does this text teach us about the soul, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time. My son, if thou come to serve the Lord. Prepare thy soul for temptation. The
0: soul if it is an area of ongoing temptation, according to the text, brothers and sisters. It's the soul. It's not the spirit. Verse two,
1: set thy heart aright and constantly endure and make not hasten time of trouble.
0: So it's clear. According to this account, the soul is the battleground of tremendous spiritual forces, brothers and sisters. And then look at verse two.
1: Verse 2, set thy heart aright, and constantly endure, and make not haste in time of trouble. And make
0: not haste in time of trouble. Brothers and sisters, in these two passages, we learn to prepare ourselves for suffering and purpose to learn obedience. Read that from the top, brother, please.
1: Verse 1, my son, if thou come to serve the Lord.
0: Look at this, if you come to serve.
1: Prepare thy soul for temptation. See that? (laughs)
0: So you have to prepare yourself. If you come in to serve, you have to prepare yourself first.
1: Verse two, set thy heart aright and constantly endure and make not haste in time of trouble. Cleave unto him and depart not away that thou mayest be increased at thy last end. That what? That thou mayest be increased at thy last end. Whatsoever is brought upon thee, take cheerfully and be patient when thou art changed to a low estate. Be
0: patient when you're changed to a low estate, not if you will be changed to a low estate.
1: Verse five, for gold is tried in the fire. Read that again. For gold is tried in the fire and an acceptable man in the furnace of adversity in the absence
0: of suffering obedience is illegitimate Brothers and sisters. we must recognize the benefit which suffering can bring and learn obedience from it that's the author knew this the most high understood that you could only learn obedience through suffering that's why the first thing he said
1: was what brother verse one verse one my son if thou come to serve the lord Prepare thy soul for temptation. See that? He understood that, brothers and sisters, that you would have to go through that. The author
0: teaches us that obedience bereft of suffering is illegitimate. He's saying in order for you to learn obedience, you have to prepare your soul for temptation. Why? Because you have to overcome the temptation. That's how you learn obedience. See? So obedience stripped of surrendering is illegitimate. Brothers and sisters. He said if you're going to come serve me. Prepare yourself for temptation. Because why? That's how you learn obedience. You learn obedience. By wanting to do something else. Yet acquiescing. Capitulating to what the king says. To what God says. Even though you want something else. Let's go to Proverbs 20 and 30. Brothers and sisters. Old Testament, Proverbs, the 20th chapter,
1: the 30th verse. Proverbs 20 and 30. The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Can you read that again, brother? The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly.
0: This verse speaks to reasons for discipline.
1: Brothers and sisters,
0: all decisions being made by human beings are to avoid pain or to gain pleasure. And this particular text is telling you that pain is good. It can be used in a proper, you know, if you use it properly, it does what,
1: brother? The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil.
0: According to the author, pain has the ability to cleanse,
1: brothers and sisters.
0: According to the author, pain is an efficient, effective deterrent, brothers and sisters. The blueness of
1: a wound, what, brother? The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. See, so the right consequences
0: for our errors can cause us to avoid the same errors in the future. Now, that's key, brothers and sisters, because here it's talking about what? Pain. Pain has a purpose, brothers and sisters. Pain has a purpose. Let's go to Psalms 66 and 18, brothers and sisters. We're going to end it here. Psalms, the 66th chapter, the 18th through the 20th verse.
1: Psalms 66 and 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Brothers and sisters, the problem is not getting your
0: prayers answered. It's getting them heard. Look at this again. Can you read verse 18, brother? Because every prayer that gets heard gets answered, okay?
1: Can you read that again? Verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The Lord will not answer? The Lord will not
0: hear me. According to the psalmist, brothers and sisters, answered prayer is conditional, and Satan knows it. He knows this, brothers and sisters.
1: Read that one more time. Verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily, God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Now
0: this is key because when Satan finds unconfessed sin in our lives, he demands the right for our prayer requests not to be granted. It says, if I regard iniquity where? In my heart. That tells you that iniquity is something that can be where? In my heart, which means invisible. See, there's sin that's invisible, that's only in the heart, brothers and sisters, that can't be seen. And the Bible is telling you, if you continue to have iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear thee. So Satan is looking for any unconfessed sin that he can accuse us before the Most High God, brothers and sisters. What he's looking for is unconfessed sin. You cannot harbor that. You cannot harbor those feelings. Iniquity is like bitterness. It's like lack of forgiveness. It's like anger. All of those are iniquity, things that can't be seen, things that are invisible sins, brothers and sisters. We went through a lot of information today, brothers and sisters, a lot of information about what? Communication. The title of today's lesson, don't drop the mic. It was about how to communicate, brothers and sisters, how to instigate, how to stimulate a response from our God during these last days. A lot of these things we learn today need to be implemented. This is how you go to the next level. The sacrifice of thanksgiving, which means giving thanksgiving even when things aren't going well. The sacrifice of praise that even when God says no even when you're having a bad day you just praise his name you praise his wonderful name worship we saw that a sister had a sick daughter whom Christ ignored until she fell on her face in worship we learned about how to not only respond to God but we learned also how to get into his presence There's a lot of good information today some very, very important information about how to communicate with our God. The title of today's lesson, don't drop the mic. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwa'am Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.